Alright, so uh, this is going to be an introductory lesson today on the idea of stewardship. And uh, I felt compelled to have something to use on, on overhead because Bob and Jesse worked so diligently yesterday to get this set up so nice. Uh, actually, I already had something from a previous class, so I decided to spiff it up a little bit. Um, we're going to uh, work on a few things. I hope that by the end of this lesson, uh, if you don't know, uh, if you don't know the song that uh, goes along with Galatians 2:20, I hope that by the end of the lesson you're more familiar with that. I want you to be able to define stewardship and to list some biblical examples of stewardship and explain why stewardship is such an important concept for us today. And so those are some, some goals that I have for class for today. So, Galatians 2.20. Uh, this is the King James Version because that's, those are the words that uh, go with the tune that uh, I was taught by Bill Draffin now so many years ago. And uh, so, uh, we will continue this. Uh, if you would, sing with me. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay, if that's new to you, uh, we'll get some practice in singing that some more. Uh, say it again? We could probably do that, Bob. Yes. I'll write that down. You know, we could create a, a, a Google uh, Docs folder and maybe just place everything in there. And I'll work on that too. Okay, would you look at this uh, passage from Galatians and think about think about the uh, our, our 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 being crucified with Christ and and what that means. Um, stewardship is a total life commitment. So as you think about. Uh, life commitments and where stewardship is important. Think about things like choices that we make that are so important. Name some important choices we make in life. Say it again. Marriage. Marriage. What kind of job or career you choose? Where am I going to live? Am I going to give my life uh, to Christ? Very good. What else? How am I going to spend my stimulus money? Ah, how am I going to spend my stimulus money? <coughs> what are my hobbies? Who are my friends? Right? Those are all. Those are all things that are 
uh, uh, important in this. And then uh, realize that everything, everything that I do relates to God and my service to Him. All of the glory, all of the honor, all of the praise belongs to God and therefore my life needs to reflect Christ living in me if I'm going to be a good steward of Jesus Christ. And, and so life is a, a matter of choices. You know, am I going to get an education or not? Um, uh, what, what, are my, what are my you know political beliefs and leanings going to be? And everything else that we talked about. But, as, as Andrew pointed out, the most important decision we will make is uh, who am I going to serve? And you know, we, 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 we all remember you know, Joshua's uh, challenge to the children of Israel. Choose for yourselves whom you will serve. And they had choices. Uh, and Joshua, Joshua stated, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, let's let's talk uh, let's talk some more about stewardship uh, before we get there. <laughs> what does stewardship mean to you? If you you think about stewardship, you, you think of the concept of stewardship, how do you how do you define that? Right. You you mentioned in your prayer about being a manager. Ah. So I think of that concept okay. with stewardship. Okay. So being a steward's like being a manager. What else? Having care of something. Okay. And to throw legal terms, it's it's like a fiduciary duty. Uh, it's not. Um, that's a fancy word. <laughs> it, it's not just like uh, here. You have to watch this box that it's in. You have a, a duty towards that and towards the owner, and it's more than just a casual relationship. Okay, very good. Thank you. Anne? Um, I think of it as being in charge of and responsible for yeah. possessions, someone else's possessions. Okay, okay. Very good. Jesse? I could see in the term proxy owner, which I thought was cool because you are an owner, but it doesn't belong to you. Okay, okay. Very good. Yes, Isolda? Being the caretaker of God's kingdom. Yes, the idea of a caretaker, and and yes, the the idea of the the realm of God's rule, uh, and and our our involvement in that. Okay, good. Well, I looked it up. You saw I looked it up on the internet first. Uh, it, it described it as the job of supervising or taking care of something, like maybe some organization or a piece of property. But if we look up the, the Bible word, uh, it's, it comes from a Greek word which talks about, as we've mentioned, the management of a household or the household affairs. Specifically, the management, oversight, administration of others' property. The office of a manager or overseer. Uh, the idea of stewardship. Uh, this concept of being ad in, in administration. You know, you think about school system and being in, you know, are you a, are you a, a teacher or are you an ad administrator? Now you might argue teachers are also administrators, but not all administrators teach. 
So, uh, in, in a classroom setting. So, you know, are you uh, over that? And, and so, again, uh, look, look with me in Luke 12. In Luke chapter 12, we've, we've got a, a parable there. In Luke 12, uh, beginning in verse 35, Jesus says, Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps alight. And be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master shall find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and and have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third and finds them so blessed are those slaves. And be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You too be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. And Peter said, Lord, are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else as well? Craig, if you would, read verses 42 through 48. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom his master has set over his household, to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk, The master of that servant will come on a day that he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know, and did what deserved the beating, will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Okay. So, this uh, steward's task, and uh, in verse 42, uh, the New American Standard uh, renders that term manager as steward. So we see that, that concept there. Um, describe, describe what was expected of this steward or manager. What were some of the duties? He was in charge of the servants. Yeah. And he was supposed to, I read it as, as caring for them. He had to give them their rations, their food at the appropriate yeah. times. They depended. They depended on him. And yet what was true about everything this the steward uh, was managing or overseeing? What was true about all of that stuff? It wasn't his. It wasn't his. And I love the way then it concludes in in verse 48, And from everyone who has been given much, much shall be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. Now just think. Think about yourself. How much have you been given? 
to manage, to oversee, to care for that is not yours? How much have you been entrusted with? I know, I know that concept hits hard, you know, when you when you talk about the, the not just the concept of property and money and things, but people. You think about children and you think about the, the responsibility and the entrusting. I still remember um, uh, being involved in uh, the Florida college camps and and talking to all of the staff about our responsibility and how we had been entrusted with the care of these hundred plus kids for an entire week. Parents were counting on us to make wise decisions about how uh, the kids spent their week and what a huge responsibility that was for one week. <laughs> and you think about all that we've been entrusted with. It's kind of of sobering, isn't it? Anne? I think it's interesting in this parable that in verse uh, 42, um, it uses the Greek word for steward, and then in 43 through 47, it uses the Greek word for slave, Uh, which means being in subjection, to describe the same person. So Uh, we're all simultaneously in charge of and in subjection to you know, in subjection to God yeah, and in charge yeah. of His what He's entrusted us. Very good. Thanks for thanks for seeing that and pointing that out. Yeah, very good. Maybe you could think about it this way: being a steward is one who takes scrupulous care of that which is entrusted to him, and gives it out to others faithfully, as directed by his master. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. Trustworthy. Makes me think of a song Claudia came up with years ago to teach kids the concept of being trustworthy. Uh, the, the words went something like this. Uh, Give me a job to do no matter how simple. Give me instruction. I am dependable. Leave me alone to work. I'll get the job done for you. You can count on me. I'm trustworthy. And that's the idea of being a steward. You're entrusted and somebody doesn't have to be watching over you all the time, but you're taking scrupulous care of that which has been entrusted to you. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about some biblical examples of being stewards. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just open it up. Does any, any quick thought come to mind uh, about a biblical example of stewardship? Joseph over Potiphar's house. Oh, very good. Very good. Not one of my examples for today. Thank you. Joseph being in charge over Potiphar's house. And what, what as you think about that, what, what really comes to mind about the idea of stewardship and the things we've just talked about as you reflect on that story? He was obviously discerning being as he turned down Potiphar's wife. 
Yes. And remember what in general, what Andrew, what, what were his words in in response to Mrs. Potiphar? Every, everything in this house is under my control except for you. Yeah. Yeah, everything. And so Joseph understood the idea of stewardship and he knew where the responsibilities were and where they were not. Okay, very good. Craig. It, it also made no difference as to the moral character of his master. Uh, he didn't say, well, he's an evil man, so I don't actually have to do as good of a job. It, it made no difference. He was given the responsibility. Okay. Because, and what, what drove, what do, you, what do you imagine drove him to that? Well, he recognized he was serving someone. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I think of Abigail. Okay. Uh, and taking care of Nabal's. Yes, animals, okay. He wouldn't himself. Yeah, yeah, very good. Another example I did not choose to, to look at. Thank you. Adam and Eve. Okay, Adam and Eve. Yeah. In fact, uh, you, it's interesting. You see see what was said uh, there in and that was one of my examples, by the way. <laughs> Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 2. Uh, it's not a lot is said there in verse 15. Uh, but Genesis 2.15 says, Then the Lord took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. He was he had a he had a domain there. He had a responsibility there in the garden to and God had entrusted that to him. Okay. I was thinking about the uh, owner of the vineyard who had to decide how many people he was going to put out there and how much work they could get done and what he was going to pay them. Oh yeah. It wasn't all the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well it was all the same. Well, <laughs> but but I know what you say. It wasn't the same hourly rate. Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> very good, very good. They were entrusted with their. He entrusted that to them to do, to do the work. Uh, look at. We'll, we'll take a quick look at the uh, parable of the talents in in uh, Matthew twenty five. Uh, similar similar account, not exactly, but similar is found in Luke 19, but in Matthew 25. You've got uh, you've got there in verse 14, the man uh, about to go on a journey, he calls his slaves and entrusts his possessions to them. To one he gave five, to another two, to another one. And then he goes on his journey and we kind of we kind of know the story uh, that when he comes back, what did he expect? When the master returned, what did he expect? Benefit. Okay, he expected that that they were going to use what had been entrusted to them in a way that was going to benefit the one who owned the, all of those things. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, we can also uh, think about, uh, and this is another uh, interesting example, uh, the unjust steward in Luke 16. Flip over there. Luke 16. Now, there's a lot of things that we could uh, we could probably talk an entire class period just on this parable, but. Uh, uh, Jesus in verse 1 says there was a certain rich man who had a steward and the steward was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and says, What's this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward. 
And the steward says to himself, What shall I do? Since my master is taking the stewardship away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I will do. And what does he do in a nutshell? Cheats his master to the benefit of others. All right. And the benefit of himself. Of himself. So yes. So he, he takes what is entrusted to him and uses it to benefit others and himself and yet the response of the the response of the uh, the master is interesting. Um, as we uh, scroll down through the, that passage, uh, verse eight, his master praised the unrighteous steward because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. And I say to you. Make friends for yourselves by means of the mammon of unrighteousness that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. For he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. If, therefore, you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous mammon, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you've not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? So, what are some, what are some points out of those concluding statements that are helpful to us as we think about us being stewards? What are some points that you see uh, made there in those concluding uh, verses, especially verses uh, 10 and following? Sir. At the core, faithfulness doesn't depend on the amount or quantity or quality of what's entrusted to you. You've been entrusted with paperclip is the same as you've been entrusted with $47 million. Yeah, yeah. If you're faithful to one, you're, you'll be faithful to the other. And do we always do we always think that way? No. No, of course not. You know, well, if, this is just a little bit. You know, what does it matter, right? Other, other concepts. I always, always struggle with this because yeah. I want a I I, I good steward to be trustworthy. Right. And I look at this guy, and I wouldn't put him under that category, but he's being, his, the, the intent of his heart, although it's not for the care of the master, it's for the care of his, his feathering his own bed and, yeah. and uh, f- for the duration of his life. And I think there's an, an allegory being made there. Yes. We have to make that jump. Yeah. You know, yeah. to understand this just exactly. Right. There is the there are the things of this life and there are the things that are eternal. And maybe in a sense, I think a part of the message is how is how is everything that we're being entrusted with by God, what, what to what end? For what purpose? As we think about the here and the future, what's the purpose of the here? To get there, yeah. And the here, uh, think about this, push back if you want to, the here's a bit of a test, is it not? Are you are you worthy of the way you manage the here to belong in the there? You see that um, better described in the selection of elders and deacons. And, and what was your point? Well, that they're in 
to manage their own families and their own okay. selves and their own okay. property. So it's a proving it's a ground. Show. If you can do it there, then you should be able to do it here. If you, and if you can't, very good. Nikki? I think in addition, we're also given the task to um, make disciples. So as far as following oh. our own stuff, we have to also, we're entrusted by God to to lead others to him so that it's not just us, but everyone else that gets to reap the benefit. Yeah, yeah. So you, you'll notice uh, lessons 24 and 25 that we have planned are on the stewardship of the gospel. Uh, and and that 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 message that has been entrusted to us, and what are we doing with that? Are we are we burying it in the hole and waiting for Jesus to return? We'll say, well, there you go, here it is. Or are we casting it on the waters so that it will bear much fruit, and that God would say, you know, well done, good and faithful servant, Jesse. Um, this idea that um, when freedom is given, responsibility needs to be taken, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's the whole, you, you see that he's putting people in charge and things like that. And I was listening to a podcast where it was talking about what happens when the freedom is given and the responsibility isn't taken. Uh-huh. Right? Every Everything kind of corrupts and, and falls down and is without foundation and that kind of thing. So to your point, like, what we're given is a measure of what we're expected yeah. to do, yeah. which, you know, just depending on your situation could be vastly different. Yeah. Uh, and, but I think that's pretty neat, you know, like yeah. whatever you're given is really what is, is, is expected of you. Very good. Here. I think it's interesting that this section kind of ends talking about these two masters and how they <coughs> serve them. Yeah. Is it the idea that this is just a means to an end, like we're not supposed to be devoted here but this is the purpose is just to I, I think so yeah. I think so a um, couple more uh, in Matthew 21 we have the uh, the wicked tenants um, who you know who who were entrusted with a, a vineyard and then when the time came to share they they would not with the owner and you know the, the, the master sent back uh, Slaves and servants, and ultimately the son, uh, to to get what belonged to them. Um, the chief priests and the Pharisees knew that Jesus was telling this about them, and how they did not care for the possessions that were placed in their charge. Uh, Bob already mentioned the idea of an elder, and how an elder is to be. Uh, a steward, God's steward, God's administrator, God's manager over over people, over souls. And I'm going to tell you, there is no more sobering passage in the Bible to an elder than Hebrews 13, 17, which says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Now you think about how that's tied in with these parables that we've just read about. That the master comes back and there is an accounting of how they've managed what has been put under their care. And to think about standing before God and giving an account of how you've shepherded souls is sobering. And then... Are we not all 
stewards. And look in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. And Ryan, if you would, when you get there, go ahead and read that. 1 Peter 4 and verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. All right. We are to be good stewards of the of the multifaceted grace that has been showered upon us. Have we been given much? Have we been entrusted with much? And if, if nothing else, classes like this cause us for a number of times to think deeply about all that we have been given. And I know most are thankful people. But Ryan and I just uh, finished teaching Colossians with the high school class. And I was so impressed with the emphasis on being thankful and how how that is so important in the life of a Christian and I think it's key to this idea of stewardship. Okay, well, here are just uh, a few things now to consider. Uh, uh, we've talked about this, but uh, remember that, that God, God has created everything. Everything belongs to Him. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. John 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him and apart from Him. Not one thing was created that has been created. And uh, Psalm 24, the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. I like to think, my stuff is mine. Your stuff is yours. And while there is an element of truth in that, ultimately, I must be reminded that, no, it all belongs to God. And thus, that should shape and uh, mold my thinking then about those things. Because if I'm truly convinced they're mine, I will think differently than if I recognize that, no, no, they belong to somebody else. And I'm just a steward of those things. Am I a good steward? Whether it's little, a paper clip, or whether it's $47 million. Yeah. Uh, Brian and I were just talking the other night. Uh, we've all been blessed. And yet sometimes I, I, I still want more. And sometimes I, I somehow think that if I had a lot more, life would be so much easier. And yet, when you stop and think about managing what we have been entrusted with and how exhausting it is, think about the burden of having to manage so much more. And while you think it would be, it would provide you with ease and comfort and peace of mind, I think life shows that the more you have, it does not have that kind of a result. And so, I think the good attitude we have to remember is that it, it all belongs to God. And uh, think about when um, under Ezra and Nehemiah's time uh, how, how they praised God in Ezra chapter 9 and said, You alone are Yahweh. You created the heavens, the highest heavens with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. 
you give life to all of them and the heavenly hosts worship you. Uh, everything in creation, everything is under God and gives Him praise. And now, think about what David had to say in Psalm 8 as he shows God's glory and how it's magnified in His works. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is man that you remember him, the son of man that you look after him? You made him little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him Lord over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all the sheep and oxen as well as the animals in the wild, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the seas. Yahweh our Lord, how magnificent is your name in all the earth. And then, and then similarly, um, uh, when we... Well, before I move on from that, think about um, uh, our our consideration of the creation, how our its relationship, the creation to man, the responsibility then that was given to man over that creation, and how all of this speaks of the excellency of God. And and similarly, when when uh, David prays to God in First Chronicles uh, twenty nine. Um, May you be praised, Lord God, our Father is uh, of our Father Israel, from eternity to eternity. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty. For everything in the heavens and on earth belongs to you. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over all. Riches and honor come from you, and you are the ruler of everything. Power and might are in your hand, and it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. Now therefore, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I, and who are my people, that we should be able to give as generously as this? For everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your own hand. For we live before you as foreigners and temporary residents in your presence as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow, without hope. Yahweh our God, all this wealth that we've provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand. Everything belongs to you. And... We belong to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6, Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. We have been bought. We are the Lord's, and we were bought with the precious blood of the Son of God. And so then, finally, uh, some concepts that we must embrace. One, I am not the owner. I am not the owner. I am the steward. I am the uh, the, the, uh, manager. I am the facilitator of the resources that God has entrusted to me. I am not the owner. God is still the owner. And, And so... Uh, that should have some influence 
on my lifestyle. God gives us earning capacity and potential. He gives us mental and physical capabilities to earn a living. And so, what are my goals? What are my priorities? What are my convictions? All of this, all of my relationships must reflect God in every aspect. And so, finally, there is accountability. What does God see when He looks at your stewardship? What does God see when He looks at my stewardship? And that should cause us to realize, to evaluate, and constantly be making adjustments. So, in conclusion, stewardship is important. It's a really critical topic. And there are so many aspects of stewardship. There's so much that has been given and entrusted to us. And as a steward, I have to be faithful in the discharge of all of my duties and I will be accountable to God in the end. Thoughts? Reactions? You glad you glad you're in this class? <laughs> I think when you're thinking about stewardship, it, while it, it is a great responsibility, and you know we are held accountable, I'm glad that the buck doesn't stop with me. Yeah, yeah. That there, I'm not the one that has to be the strongest to hold it all up. That yeah. God knows that I'm just a person, yeah. and that I'm trying, and that's all He asks. God's, God's grace is abundant in all of this. Uh, and I think there's that balance of, of recognizing His patience and His long-suffering and His grace and at the same time striving ever more to be the, 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 the steward He wants me to be. That should compel you. Exactly. Thank you. Yes. It's not a requirement of 100% increase. Um, that stewardship is just doing the right thing doesn't always mean the results. And so that is also just a alleviating thing about that, that things can fail miserably, but I did my job. Yeah, yeah. I I did what he needed me to do with what I'd been entrusted with. And And like so many topics, is is this idea, is it black and white? Is stewardship black and white? You know, we say, oh, oh, no, it is not at all. Jesse? You know, um, in the parable when it talks about you knew I was a hard master, yeah. right? Like you, you knew. But what I love about that <coughs> is, is that the fear of failure is was the root of the problem. Like to Tony's point, like something catastrophic happens, that's not the worst thing that can happen. The worst thing that can happen is you do nothing because you're afraid to fail. Yeah. And so that does underscore two things that. He is a hard master, but he's also a very forgiving and like what he really, really wants for you more than anything is to try and yeah. not to be paralyzed by that fear. Yeah, yeah. Fear is a motivator and it is an appropriate motivator. But it ought to be something that we that we maybe start with in some cases and then we grow to the point that we are motivated by love. It seems like in all these uh, parables and examples, the reward 
does not equal to the effort or the return of the one who had been entrusted. The reward is abundantly more than kind of what the gain was for the steward. And that talks to the graciousness of God that yeah. he rewards in abundance. Yeah. I would say also, like, your master knows your character. So, like, I'm going to throw her again under the bus for a second. But it shows her in a good light. Um, but, like, she's a steward of her car. Yeah. And I'm her master. And I know her character. I know what her heart is. And she's done an excellent job for two years. Before camp, she hit my car. She also hit a tree. <laughs> right back and back. Yeah. And it doesn't... It, it's not that she failed as a steward, and I wasn't upset at all. Yeah. She wasn't in trouble. Yeah. Wasn't going to make her pay for it. We're getting her car fixed. Because I know her heart. I know <clears throat> what kind of steward she is of her car. And accidents happen. Yeah. And so, she. I mean, there was no anger. I told her it was completely okay. So. Yeah. Uh, thanks for that. If, you know... If all we knew about God were some of these parables that we reflected on today, we might get the impression that, man, he's he is he's he's nothing but tough and hard. And and it's what should compel us to, to know the God of the Bible. Because while God has entrusted much to us and expects us to be responsible, he is so patient and he is so long suffering and he is so forgiving. He is so full of grace, and yet that should, as has been commented, that should just propel us even more to want to honor Him and to please Him. I think the idea is there that God does not place on, upon us more than we can handle, and that, that applies in this field too. Yeah. We see that in the parable regarding the five talents and the one talent. Yeah. I think it's kind of a shadowy thing being reflected there. Yeah. God didn't expect as much out of that latter one, and he still uh, feared and failed. Yeah. But uh, the key point that I keep hearing is the trustworthiness that God already knows we are, or if we are not yeah. that, yeah. and we are needing to improve. Yeah. Sarah? One of the things that always strikes me whenever we go over this subject is to much to the, the one who has been given much, much has been expected, um, and I have a lot of talents. I mean, there's no way that I can make a list of the things that I can do and the things that I've been allowed to do. And it's always a little, more than a little bit scary to think, I'm supposed to be doing something with all this stuff and I don't know what it is most of the time. And, uh, and it's just like, whoa. I, sometimes I almost wish I were a one-trick pony, uh, and because I could just do that one yeah. thing really yeah. well, and whether that's hauling water to, you know, water flowers or whatever. But yeah. whenever you've got lots of opportunities and lots of talents and lots of things that you can do or things that you can use, if it were like wealth, then it's just like. So I think it is. I think it is, though, it's that, to me, it's that reflection on everything that God has given me that then causes me, as I said before, to be thankful. And as I'm thankful and I recognize what a great God He is, then now I'm, I'm motivated in, in a different way. I think maybe to a little bit of Sarah's point, that there, once you open your mind up to all the things that stewardship could cover... 
you'll be surprised. I mean, I, I still am not aware of probably 90% of the things that God has given to uh -huh. me in stewardship, uh -huh. but everything that I continue to try to identify, I, I try to find ways in which they can be used either for God, for others. And the more that you do that, does not God also then try to entrust you with more things yeah, like that? Yeah. And so you open up your mind to things not, like we like to think of just money and maybe children and time management, stuff like that. But think about forgiveness. I've been forgiven a lot. Does he not say it the same way? If you've been forgiven, will you not then forgive someone else? And so if God has entrusted me to be forgiven, how do I? And so, like, you just you continue to go down that route, and you realize all the things that God has been doing. It's an investment. So maybe different than like the way we've been talking about stewardship. God has done an investment in you. Now, what are you going to do with that? People put a lot of investment in their children's education, and so with that education, what are you not going to do with it? I'm going to be a bum on the on the side of the street. Well, that may not be a good investment there, you know, like weighing those types of things out. I think the other thing, too, is the steward is acting as if the master was doing it himself. And so if your boss has entrusted you to be a manager or something, it's just so that you are his right arm to be doing those things as if he were here himself. And so with your children, with your money, anything like that, it's as if God was doing it. And so the more that we, Galatians 2.20, yeah. uh, the more we are being more, more stewardy. Yeah, so. good, good. Um, next class will be on contentment. There are uh, hard copies of the, some, some questions to think about in advance. They'll be up here in the front if you would like to pick one out, and I will send them out via email uh, later today. Thank you all.